True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Opening weekend of baseball is in the books. Let's break it all down. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Monday, April 3rd. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, we'll have our weekend recap. All of the waiver wire hopefuls news, bullpens, everything in between. Before we get started, make sure to like this video, leave a comment, and subscribe if you haven't already. If you're listening on the audio side, we'd really appreciate a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Let's start with the birthday boy, Scotty. It's not oh, my birthday anymore. Come it's, not, on. it's not your birthday anymore. It will um, always be your birthday forever. It was your that birth- would be, I think, I think that would get exhausting for everybody. It was your birthday weekend, though. Hope you had a good time. Anywho, Scott, uh, who's a player you'd like to highlight from the weekend? Well, I will highlight the one pitcher who I liked coming in who was actually good, and that's Graham Ashcraft, who uh, here on Sunday, he turned in about as, about as good of a performance as you could hope for against the Pirates. Seven innings, one run, six strikeouts, four hits, one walk. He was high on my top sleeper pitchers list for this week. And I'm start, I didn't start him in every league where I have him because I have him in a lot of leagues. But I started him a couple and enjoyed those results from Graham Ashcraft. He didn't excel in quite the way I hoped he would, I will say, especially considering it was the Pirates. Ten swinging strikes on 95 pitches. Okay, that's not a particularly impressive number. It, you could tell his slider was different. It was up one... miles per hour from last year. He also threw it 41% of the time as opposed to 27% of the time last year. 
Uh, and he talked about it after the game, how like it just keeps getting better and better, and he thinks it's going to be a big difference maker for him. It's, I think he actually got more whiffs on the cutter, that really hard cutter he throws, than the slider. So I don't know. I mean, maybe he just happened to be the the best version of the 2022 Ashcraft happened to show up against a bad lineup, and this is the result. Maybe it's not necessarily going to launch him into a breakout season. Obviously, if you've already invested in the idea of a breakout season, this is no reason to give up on Ashcraft. But I I don't know that it necessarily um, clinched it for me. I don't know that it's, okay, I I nailed that one. Obviously, glad to have him where I do have him. Would pick him up where I don't have him. But I think the jury's still out on Graham Ashcraft after this first start. One other thing that stood out to me in the start for Ashcraft was the spin rates being up on all of his pitches. The cutter was up 162 RPM compared to last year, the slider 103, and the sinker 182. So I thought that was encouraging for Ashcraft as well. He is 65% rostered. He's at the Phillies this week. Let's compare him to some other shallow league uh, starting pitchers that you know could be out there in 10-team or maybe even 12-team head-to-head points leagues. Tyler Anderson looked great in his debut this weekend at the A's. He went six shutout with four strikeouts. He's going up against the Blue Jays this week. Zach Eflin, solid in his Rays debut. Five innings of one-run ball with five strikeouts. Uh, That was against the Tigers. He's 77% rostered. Justin Steele also looked very good. Six shutout with eight strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes. He is 54% rostered up against the Rangers. Scott, how would you rank those four? Graham Ashcraft, Tyler Anderson, Zach Eflin, and Justin Steele. Almost in the order you said them. I'd still go Ashcraft one, Anderson two. I'll go Justin Steele ahead of Eflin. But, I mean, they, they both, those last two, showed encouraging things this weekend. Justin Steele. He threw his slider half the time in this first start. It was more like a third of the time last year, and that's his best pitch. He turned in great results against the Brewers. I'm looking to pick him up wherever he's available. Zach Eflin, uh, he used his curveball a lot more, which was kind of his breakthrough pitch a year ago, and I assume the reason the Rays liked him so much, offering him that big contract. And he got 13 whiffs on 74 pitches against the Tigers. That's a really nice rate. So, stealing. Eflin, third and fourth behind Ashcraft and uh, Tyler, Anderson. One, Tyler Anderson. But, the, but you know, I, I think in 12-team leagues, they probably should all be rostered. All right, Chris, let's slide over to you. A player that you'd like to highlight from opening weekend. Yo, Makata, who I have very mixed feelings about uh, through the first, I think they played four games. Um, and, hey, he's got two home runs. So that's pretty good he only had 12 last season in 104 games so you take that the the problem is of course he was batting lefty i think for both of them and they were both crawford box specials which is kind of hard to do when you're a lefty you typically think of a like a a righty pole hitter that way but they weren't particularly impressive home runs i think there was about 720 feet total of home runs for yon mancata across those two home runs not as impressive as it sounds um He's struck out in 43% of his plate appearances so far. I believe that's nine out of 19, if my math is correct. Uh, No, seven out of 19. Okay. Um, That's not great also, but he's hitting the ball really hard so far. 97 mile per hour average exit velocity on eight batted balls. He's hitting it really hard. He's hitting it, you know, in the air as well. So, you know, those things are, 
I think promising. As you can tell, I'm I'm not sure how to actually feel about it. I think my main takeaway from Yamakata is just for a guy who, when he's been at his best, has relied on elite tools more than like a complete profile. It's good to see him flashing elite tools again, something he has not really done really since the COVID season when he had COVID and was just never the same. Hopefully he's feeling, you know, healthy and and back up to full strength. I hope that would be the case last year, but it wasn't. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean you're giving I, I kind think of a- it's yeah, like it's it's ups and downs for Yaw Mankata, but at least some reasons for optimism. I, I would say it's yeah. nothing we've seen in four games, which nothing you can see in four games can ever make you feel for sure one way or another about a player, but right. it's at least some reason for optimism, guarded optimism. Yeah, I mean, you gave kind of a wishy-washy take on Yon Makata, and I gave kind of a wishy-washy take on Graham <laughs> Ashcraft, and, and, and part of that's just because it's been a weekend. Everything is wishy-washy right now, or everything yeah, I mean, should the, be. The I mean, take, our Twitter mentions are not wishy-washy right now, no. but, you know. The, the take on every player right now is, oh, that was interesting. Let's see if it continues. And so yes, that's that's where I am with uh, Mokata. I mean, in those deeper leagues with like corner infield spots where Mokata's already gone, it's like, oh, I wish I already I, I wish I had more shares of Mokata based on how hard he's hitting the ball right now. But in those shallower leagues where there's no corner infield spot and Mokata's likely to be out there, it's like, oh, I don't know that I want to invest a roster spot in Mokata. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, we've been chasing, not really chasing, but hoping that Moncada would get back to that player that we saw back in 2019. When he broke out, he hit 315 with 25 home runs, 10 steals, and a 915 OPS. Far and away his best season, I guess, eh, almost a full season, 132 games that he played that year. But yeah, it just really hasn't been the same since. The COVID diagnosis, which you mentioned, Chris. Uh, so we, we've been waiting for Moncada to get back to get back to that. It is a good ballpark to hit in, especially, I mean, once the weather heats up in Chicago, you know, mm-hmm. might, maybe not so much early on in the season, but where the White Sox play is a great park for for home runs. So uh, hopefully this is something that can carry over into that. A few third basemen we talked about on Friday, Ella Harris Montero and Spencer Steer, who have flashed a little bit here early on in the season. Would you guys rather speculate on those two or Yoan Moncada ahead of them? Uh, man. It's um, I, I'm inclined to stick with who I already have probably when in doubt. And so I'm, I'm probably putting Moncada third of that group, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't upset me in any way if Chris put Moncada at the top of that group. Cause it's just, there's so much that still needs to be seen. I, I think I'd go Moncada second. I would have steer ahead of him. Uh, and then Montero third. I, I think I have more playing time concerns about Montero than either of the other two. Steer although, has, although he has started every game yeah. of your righty so far. Yep. Steer Steer's hit the ball really well so far, so that's a good sign. It's again very, very small sample sizes. But at this point in the season, it's like spring training. You're mostly just looking for reasons to be optimistic. You you shouldn't be changing your opinion, but like you want to hear you want to see guys do things well. You'd rather that than the alternative. That being said. People, players not doing things well generally isn't going to be a reason for me to cut them at this point in the season. I agree with you guys in terms of like, it's going to be hard to make decisions. I mean, that's why we're here to help people make decisions. But 
looking for the positives in some of these players, like a Moncada, like a Graham Ashcraft, or even Steer Montero, because if you do hit on one of them, you have them for the entire season. So that's why we mm-hmm. kind of want to be aggressive early on here and and hopefully hit on yep. some of these uh, these early season standouts. Speaking of which, player of the weekend for me is uh, my boy, man. <laughs> Jeffrey Springs, six no-hit innings with 12 strikeouts to one walk in his uh, season debut. Of course, in the most Tampa Bay Rays fashion, they pull him after 81 pitches. So I don't know Excellent. how far we are in terms of uh, the leash or how far they're going to let him go like deep into his starts. I think that still remains to be seen. But in terms of stuff... I mean, he carried over everything that we saw last year and in spring training where Jeffrey Springs looked like, I don't know, the breakout starting pitcher this year. He had 13 swinging strikes on 81 pitches. Nine of those came on his changeup, which is you know his best pitch, his best secondary uh, whiff pitch. He used a sweeper 12% of the time, which is not something that he used last year. Or maybe he did, and there's just new classifications on baseball savant. But either way, guys, I mean, I think if you have Springs... Obviously, you're really, really encouraged, but this is one of those things where I don't want to overreact, but it just like after seeing it, it kind of feels like, man, this he might be the guy this year, like the breakout pitcher. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away from it because it was such a dominant start, but we still, even with him being so efficient through six innings, we still have yet to see him go more than six innings in the start. And right. Because it's the first start of the season, it's like, okay, maybe it's just because it was the first start of the season. If he was doing this on May 1st or May 2nd, whatever, and um, and they still took him out six innings then, and we, st- you know, after consecutive starts of him going no more than six innings, I'd be like, okay, the Rays are just going to have a hard cap here, basically. Not going to let Jeffrey Springs face the lineup a third time, but. But we don't know. That that's the one detraction. That is the one and only detraction right now. Otherwise, Jeffrey Springs looks amazing and yep. I'd be thrilled to have him. And I think you should be thrilled to have him. Like even his price got kind of kind of inflated towards yeah. the end. I think the uh the last weekend when those NFC main event drafts were happening, he was like 120th in ADP, which that was higher than I think any of us had him ranked. I don't know about you guys, but you know, even there, like if you took him in the 10th round in a 12 team league or the, I don't know, eighth round in a 15 team league, whatever it would be like, you should probably feel pretty good about that based on what we saw, based on what we saw from him last year. Like, I don't think he has 180 inning upside. I would be very, very surprised if Jeffrey Springs got to 180 innings, but he can still be very, very useful and very, very valuable at 160 innings. So uh, I, I, it's the kind of thing where I, I want to celebrate him for what he is, not what we wish he could be. You know, uh, you know, you just said 160 innings, and it reminded me of Shane McClanahan last year, who got to 166 and a third. He was dealing with a shoulder injury towards the end of the season, so he missed some time, and that's why he was a little bit limited in terms of his innings pitched. But I can see a workload similar to that, and the way that Springs gets there is not going to be similar to McClanahan at all. He's not a flamethrower. Again, it's it's really yeah. this changeup heavy approach, but. I could see really good ratios and strikeouts over 160 or 170 innings Mm -hmm. for Jeffrey Springs this season. Uh, We're going to get into all the other big highlights from this weekend as well. I mean, uh, Trace Thompson had a three-homer game, and and Nolan Gorman will get into all those. But I just kind of want to go in order in terms of uh, just the waiver wire names. I think people are maybe putting in claims or trying to you know set their lineups for this upcoming week. So let's get into mentioned starting pitchers uh, part one. I've got 
another group here. This is like 12-team Roto Leagues and deeper. You know, you're getting a little bit further down the list. Uh, Mackenzie Gore had a solid outing against the Braves. Five and a third, one run, six strikeouts, four walks. Don't love that. He's 44% rostered at Coors Field this week. So I don't think you're starting Gore, but maybe you just want to pick him up for his upside. Aaron Savali threw seven shutout with three strikeouts. He is 38% rostered. Mike Clevenger, a great start at the Houston Astros on Sunday. He went five shutout with eight strikeouts in that one. His fastball velocity was up 1.1 miles per hour compared to last year. He's 32% rostered. Great start at the Pirates this week. Uh, Seth Lugo, awesome in his first start with the Padres. Seven innings of one-run ball with seven strikeouts. He's 23% rostered. And Tyler McGill, uh, solid start filling in for Justin Verlander at the Marlins. Five innings, two runs, seven strikeouts, 17% rostered. Chris, I've got five names here. Who are your two favorites? Mackenzie Gore, Savali, Clevenger, Lugo, and Tyler McGill. Uh, it would be Gore and Clevenger. I wrote about them as Robbie Ray replacements. I'm doing a kind of re- weekend weekend recap <laughs> piece uh, for CBSSports.com. It'll be up. Trying to get it up every Sunday before your waivers run, so hopefully about 8.30, 9 o'clock. Um, and... Gore and Clevenger were the two that I highlighted as potential Robbie Ray replacements. Obviously, we didn't talk about that, but Robbie Ray's on the IL with a flexor strain. Really great for all my Robbie Ray teams. Um, I thought uh, Clevenger looked pretty good. You know, he went fastball slider heavy, but he was someone who, you know, previously before his injuries, he was someone who's very good at limiting hard contact. So, you know, he showed some of that today. And then Gore... Decent results against a very, very tough matchup. I still don't know if he's going to be the guy we hoped he could be. He relies way too heavily on his fastball, and I don't think he has the command of his other pitches to throw them more, but um, he's a guy that I'm always going to be excited to see positive results from. So Gore and Clevenger would be my favorites from those two. Although Seth Lugo is really interesting. Uh you know, he made that move to the rot- to the bullpen a few years back. Has been really good out of the bullpen. Comes back at, to the rotation. All of a sudden, he's still throwing like ninety six miles per hour uh, or or more. He's getting you know decent numbers of whiffs on his curveball. The spin rate, the curveball is just ridiculous for him. Um, it's like thirty five hundred RPM. <laughs> yeah, it's it's 60, about Morton with the three thousand. Yeah, sixty inches of of vertical drop on his curveball that that's like the true 12 to 6 uh curveball so he's he's pretty interesting i think seth lugo gore and clevenger are my favorite from this group too i I don't think any is like you must pick them up right now yeah but if you have a spot to play with um you know a few of my leagues i put in claims for for each of them in Clevenger's case, what's weird is he kind of was just a two-pitch pitcher in this one and at his best he was more than that. So I don't know if that's really a formula for success for him, but it's hard to argue with the results, especially since they came against the Astros and he's mm-hmm. going to have a much better matchup. As you pointed out, Frank, against the Pirates this week. He did, in addition to the three walks, I think he hit two batters. So, you know, I think that was an issue for him in the spring as well. I want to say he had like four hit batters and in relatively limited innings there. So still definitely working through some stuff. Yeah. As Chris mentioned, Robbie Ray, Pitched quite bad on Friday and then was placed in the IL with a grade one flexor strain. So 
we knew there was going to be pitcher injuries, but already a lot going on. Justin Verlander on opening day, Max Fried on opening day, and then Robbie Ray the very next day. So we do need some waiver wire pitchers to help us out. What about if you, if you play in deep leagues? I have uh, two names here. Johnny Brito, who had a strong debut for the Yankees on Sunday, five shutout with six strikeouts in that one. He's 22% rostered. The problem is that he was sent down after the game. The Yankees have an off day this week and could go with a four-man rotation. Within that report, it said, you know, Brito could be back uh, by mid-April, so I don't know how long we'd have to wait for him, but he did pitch pretty well in this one. 16 swinging strikes on 76 pitches. I thought that was interesting. And uh, Kyle Freeland, good friend, Kyle Freeland, six shutout at the Padres. Of course, he was on the road, not in Coors Field on this one. And six shutout, only one strikeout, 11% rostered, faces the Nationals at home in Coors Field this week. Scott, any interest in deeper leagues? Johnny Brito, Kyle Freeland. I mean, Kyle Freeland, you, you know what you're getting if you want a 450 ERA from an innings eater. I mean, there are some leagues that are deep enough where that, you know, I'm thinking like an NL only head-to-head points league, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Brito, I, I would be more interested in Brito, but how many starts is he honestly going to make? Because they're skipping him this time around, and it won't be long before uh, Carlos Rodon's making his return, right? He has a really good changeup, if nothing else, Johnny mm-hmm. Brito. The knock is that he doesn't have much of a breaking ball, but he's got like a few different versions of a fastball that can maybe be enough to pair with that changeup to get decent results. I just I just don't know that there's there's enough. I don't know that the juice is worth the squeeze because of the playing time issue. Mm-hmm. All right, fair enough. Those are the main pitchers that we're looking at following opening weekend. Let's take our first break. When we get back, we'll talk about waiver wire hitters here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to Fantasy Baseball Today. Let's get into some of our waiver wire hitters from the weekend who emerged here. Outfielders Part 1. These are some shallow league plays. Charlie Blackman had six hits this weekend, including a home run, and uh, those games were all on the road. Actually... I might have wrote that in before he played on Sunday, so let me check and see if he did anything Sunday. Uh, And 
Uh, he had another hit, so that would be seven hits, including a home run in his first four games. All of those were on the road. That's Charlie Blackman. Oscar Colas went two for five with a double and a steal on Sunday. 63% rostered. Austin Hayes went five for five with a sock and a shoe. That's a home run and a stolen base on Saturday. Of course, he dropped a routine fly ball, and <laughs> Felix Bautista wound up giving a uh, giving up a walk-off homer the very next pitch and the very next batter, so that was unfortunate. But Austin Hayes is 52% rostered. Scott, how would you rank those three in a shallow league? Charlie Blackman, Oscar Colas, Austin Hayes. Colas, Blackman, Hayes. And in a shallow league, probably the only one I'm all that interested in is Colas for the upside. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he seems under-rostered at 63%, but... Yes, agreed. I know he did sit opening day against the lefty, and hopefully that doesn't become a trend. All right, what if you just need power? A massive weekend for Adam Duvall, who had a double-dong on Saturday, including that walk-off home run off Felix Bautista, and then a three-hit game on Sunday. 37% rostered is Adam Duvall. Jorge Soler had a solid first weekend. He had four hits, including a home run. Uh, he's 39% rostered. Patrick Wisdom went two for four with a double dong on Sunday. Nolan Gorman. All right, let's see if he can uh, build off this. A double dong on Sunday as well. So playing so far against right-handed pitching, Nolan Gorman, 35% rostered. The Cardinals have six games this week, two lefties on the schedule. So I just, I don't know if he's going to play every day. Chris, if you need power, uh, how do you rank this group? Adam Duvall, Jorge Soler, Patrick Wisdom, Nolan Gorman. I think I would go Duvall, Soler, Gorman, Wisdom. I think Wisdom's a more sure thing than Gorman, but I don't know if that's saying very much because what he is a sure thing of is not particularly impressive. Gorman at least has some projectable upside based on youth and pedigree. So I I would go with Gorman ahead of Wisdom. And then Duvall and Soler is just kind of a coin flip. I think they're both going to be based on their careers. Very streaky. I don't see any reason to think they won't continue to be. Although, you know, Duvall does at least have the added benefit of playing half his games at a park that should serve his pull heavy fly ball swing pretty well. Well, this weekend he was there and, and look at the early returns and uh, just remind everybody in 2021, Adam Duvall hit 38 home runs. I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about this. Obviously, he's going to hurt you in batting average in the long run. But um, the fact that, you know, theoretically the coldest stretch of the season, Adam Duvall in his new home had this kind of opening weekend, I think, tells us he's he's looking at a good Adam Duvall season as opposed to a bad Adam Duvall season. And and that still may not be worth it in three outfielder leagues, but in five outfielder leagues, I think it, it absolutely is. And, and just like the subject of like, it, it didn't seem like um, I, I brought up, you know, the coldest stretch of the season in terms of temperature I'm talking about. Didn't seem like an issue at all this weekend. It didn't seem like balls were dying at the warning track the way we saw last April. And I don't, I don't think it is as cold as it was early last season. I don't think. Uh, just going off memory, but it, you know, a lot of games are being played in sub fifty degree temperatures, and it just was. It just seemed like a non-issue. I didn't hear it come up. Yeah, and I'm interested to look at the league-wide data once we have more data, right? It's, I mean, I think it's too early to take anything away, and even a week from now, it will be too early, but let's see what the league-wide batting average looks like and home run-to-fly ball ratio. I mean, I guess we really won't know if they what baseball they're using until 
a month or two into the season, and we can judge home run to fly ball ratio compared to years past. So specifically, Fenway Park was one of the coldest places games right. were being played this weekend, and it didn't it didn't affect Duval at all for both yeah. teams. I mean, the Orioles were smashing the ball too everywhere, which you know could potentially tell us something about the environment we're playing in. Yeah, could potentially tell us something about the pitching for the Rays and or Red Sox yeah. and Orioles. So also, also true. You know, let's keep that in mind. League-wide, uh, the batting average over the first three days of the season was 348. Last year, over the first three days, almost the exact same number of games, 222. 248 versus 222. Oh, sorry, I said 348. 248 versus 222. uh, League-wide slugging up about 38 points, which is, I think, a little ahead of the batting average. So, yeah, you're seeing a little spike in ISO. I mean... Again, this is not even including Sunday. This is just the first three days of the season. We don't actually know what to take away from any of this, but it's something we'll definitely be keeping an eye on. Chris, you said 348, and I'm like, did everyone turn into Luisa Rise? <laughs> sorry, sorry, 327 on? OBP. Maybe that's what I meant. There you go. Uh, Scott, I wanted to get a few more thoughts here on Nolan Gorman because I'm getting a lot of questions already. Obviously, he's someone that, that had a lot of prospect pedigree hit for a lot of power in the minors. But then last year when we saw him, lots of strikeouts, struggles against lefties, didn't play every day. He's only 35% rostered, so he's widely available. I'm getting questions on Twitter like, should I drop Brandon Lau for Nolan Gorman? Which I don't think we should, but what do you think? No, I mean, no. <laughs> I, I think playing time is still going to be an issue for Gorman. It's uh, I'm, I'm encouraged that they're playing him as much as they are. He seems to be their preferred DH against right-handed pitchers. But, um, you, you know, they still have four outfielders for three spots with Jordan Walker making the team. And really it's more like five outfielders for three spots. Cause I don't know if you saw the game Alec Burleson had on Sunday. Yep. We'll get to that. Uh, well, was it two home runs and a double or a home run and two doubles? I believe it was a home run and two doubles on Sunday okay, for so, Alec, yeah, Burleson. Alec Burleson, who is a pretty good prospect in his own right. A top 100 guy hit about three thirty in the minors last year. And so we haven't even been including him in the Cardinals outfield mix. He started for Lars Newtbar, who's, has a jammed thumb on Sunday and put together that performance. So, uh, and then obviously Gorman's not getting more time at second base where Brenton Donovan's doing his thing. Third base, Alex Arenado, uh, Nolan Arenado is there. So I just, I, I don't see the room without injury, which, you know, injuries are likely to happen at some point, I guess. But um, barring that, I don't see a lot of room for Gorman to gain in the pecking order for the Cardinals. All right, let's talk about some other middle infielders. You know steals are way up if Brandon Crawford is stealing bases. He had a sock and a shoe on Saturday. Of course, the only game I went to this weekend for the Yankees is the one that they <laughs> lost, and Brandon Crawford killed them in that game. They turned him loose 3-0. He had a three-run home run. It was crazy. Uh, anywho, he went three for five in that game. He's 40% rostered. Six games on the schedule, only one lefty. Jorge Mateo went 0 for 4 with a walk on Saturday, I believe it was, two more steals. He already has four steals on the season, so I think we kind of know the deal with Mateo. The batting average isn't going to be good, but but man, he is like going to the, run. The Orioles, I mean, it might also, again, might tell us something about the, the Red Sox and you know their organizational philosophy. Maybe they're just not bothering to throw over. I don't know, but they had 95 steals last season. They had 10 in their first two games this year. That is wild. Yeah. Yeah. It so, really is. like, I don't know, man. Mateo, he led the AL in steals last season with like a 270 OBP. I might be exaggerating that, but I'm not sure if I am. Yeah. 
267 OBP. Jeez. Like, he's going to kill you everywhere. He also might steal 50 bases this year. Yep, that is Jorge Mateo. Bryce Terang had a good game. He went two for three with two walks, a double, an RBI, and two runs scored. Looks like he's not going to play against lefties, at least to start mm-hmm. the season. Did not start on Saturday, but had that good game on Sunday. Scott, let's say you need a middle infielder in like a 12-team roto or something deeper than that. How are you ranking Crawford, Jorge Mateo, and Bryce Terang? I'd, I'd rather have Terang. I'd rather have the mystery box, given the obvious shortcomings of Brandon Crawford and Jorge Mateo. And... You know, if if Terang performs well enough, that platoon he's in will probably end, and he'll just be a full time guy. I presume he's the Brewers' long term. Uh, they they view him as their long term second baseman, if not sliding over to shortstop at some point, because I think defensively he's pretty sharp. All right, let's talk about some deep league outfielders. There are lots of interesting names here. Trace Thompson for three. Three home runs, a triple dong on Saturday, eight RBI, all of them, all the home runs over 400 feet. One of them was 440, so a moonshot for Trey Thompson, 25% rostered. And last year, he actually hit the ball really hard. It was a you know, smaller sample, but 92.3 mile per hour average exit velocity, 16.4% barrel rate. And uh, I think he just kind of gets cast as like a lefty specialist. He's actually better against right-handed pitching in his career than against lefties, so... Thought that was kind of interesting. Jose Siri has a hit in each game thus far. He has a home run and a steal. He's 11% rostered. Adam Frazier went three for four with his first home run. Two runs, two RBI on Sunday. Uh, He is only 10% rostered. Enrique Hernandez, back-to-back games with a home run for the Red Sox. Tommy Pham, he had a big game Sunday. I just don't know how often he's going to play. He went three for four with a sock and a shoe. He's only 6% rostered. We mentioned what Alec Burleson did, three for four with a home run and two doubles. Joey Weimer got called up by the Milwaukee Brewers. He's a top 100 prospect. He's got power. He's got speed. Luis Arias is on the IL for, sounds like it could be up to six weeks. Yeah, like two months, yeah. Yeah, so Joey Weimer seems like he's going to get some run. And then Joey Gallo, Chris, finally, he did something. He three for four with a double dong on Sunday. One of those came off of a lefty. Kind of interesting. He has four strikeouts in 11 plate appearances so far this season. Okay, lots of names here on this list. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you. Mm, give me three names that stand out most. Deep league outfielders. Uh, I think Joey Weimer is far and away the most interesting of them, partially just because there's a mystery box element to him, but he's also a, a talented prospect who I, I believe it's 20 homers, 30 steals each of the last two seasons in the minors. He's like 24, so you know he's still young enough-ish. Um you know, obviously, we think with Sal Freelich, it's kind of, it's not quite sink or swim, but he's probably got a hit, and he very well may stick and, and be a really good fantasy option. So I think Joey Weimer, the clear favorite here. And then I think it's a pretty uninspiring list. I did see something about Tommy Pham getting new contacts and saying it's the best he's been able to see the ball in a while. I don't know if you guys remember this is like five or six yeah. years ago back with the Cardinals, but he had real a lot of vision issues that, uh, you know, hampered him and kind of came and went and made it really hard for him to play consistently. So maybe there's something there. I don't really think so. Alec Burleson, I think there's playing time issues. So I'm going to go with Joey Gallo. He's changed his, yeah, changed his setup. Um, you know, he's a little more spread out when he's setting up uh, at, at home plate. I don't know. It's a shot in the dark, but we've seen him hit 40 plus home runs before. 
I have zero interest in Trey Thompson. I think 25% is too many leagues for him to be rostered in. This is a guy with like a 760 career OPS at AAA. He's 32 years old. I I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll surprise me, but I I think it's just like he's a guy who can hit the ball hard and ran into three. Um, so I mean, unless the Dodgers show that they're willing to play him on a near everyday basis, it's, yeah. it's basically a moot point anyway, how good mm-hmm. he is as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I know none of us like David Peralta, but unless the Dodgers decide they don't like David Peralta, that's a moot point too. It yeah. seems like Trace Thompson and and James Outman are mainly the ones who are going to be competing for playing time, and we'd all rather Outman play. Yes. So. He's the lefty of the two. It is worth pointing out, just worth noting here, that Mookie Betts did play second base on Sunday, which allowed Trace Thompson to be in the lineup for the second day in a, day in a row. But, but then who was out of the lineup because yeah. of that? Max Miguel Watson, Vargas. So. Um, right. Was it Miguel Vargas out of the lineup? It was lineup? Miguel Vargas. Was, okay. Yeah, Muncy yeah. was out of the lineup too. He's okay. dealing with uh, some lower body, I don't know, it was kind of vague yeah. what the injury is, but yeah, he was out of the lineup as well. Uh, Scott, were there... Three names here that stood out for you. Trace Thompson, Jose Siri, Adam Frazier, Enrique Hernandez, Tommy Pham, Alec Burleson, Joey Weimer, and Joey Gallo. I agree with Chris that Weimer's far and away the one to have. And I have him in almost all of my five outfielder leagues. In, in my main event league, I put in an $84 bid for him initially, lowered it to 57 and I think he went for 77 So it was, Oof. you know, should have... I don't know if he's like maybe he'll be terrible. It's 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 the sort of thing with Joey Weimer, where um, if he keeps the strikeouts under control, he could be huge because he mm-hmm. does everything else well. He's very athletic, a lot of power potential, a lot of speed potential. Even walks, at least in the minors, walked a good amount. But he has kind of a goofy swing that um, that had scouts writing him off initially in his career. His professional draws career. a lot of uh, draws a lot of Jason Worth comps. Is the yeah. or no no is Jason no Hunter Pence Hunter Pence I think Hunter yeah Pence Hunter Hunter guy. Pence used to have that same thing where uh, yeah. the swing's not going to work and and it obviously did and I mean I think Bo Bichette had that going against him at one point scouts didn't like his swing so you know that that doesn't necessarily mean anything but uh, it's the it's one of those Weimer, with Weimer where things could go either really good or really bad, and I'm not sure there's a lot of in-between. Uh, and if they go really bad, then it's Sal Freelick time because things are almost certainly going to go well with him. Fair enough. Anyone else on this list that slightly intrigues you, Scott? Uh, I mean, look, if Joey Gallo figures it out again, we've certainly seen him put up all-star caliber seasons before. <laughs> I think at the very least he should be rostered in OBP leagues, which that might just be what the 19% is. It's just like only 15 team and, and OBP leagues. But if you play where OBP is a category instead of average, I think Joey Gallo should be rostered. I'll throw a little bit of optimism towards Jose Siri. He is yes, someone that also. has a little bit of pop and speed. He's he's a good defender, so he's going to play for Tampa Bay. So Good I, I minor league numbers. AAA, I think it's like 140 games. He's at like 31 homer or 25 homers, 31 steals or something. So, What about catchers? Kind of. Mitch Garver had a double dong <laughs> on Saturday with six RBI. He's 23% rostered. The problem is that he's util only for now on CBS. He needs four more starts to earn catcher eligibility, uh, but... I think he should, you know, he's kind of like the backup catcher for now and starting at DH and all that stuff. So 
I think within the next couple of weeks, he'll have catcher eligibility. That is Mitch Garver. Logan Ohapi, I'm so mad at myself because early in the offseason, I was so excited for Ohapi, and then I backed off with the reports that he was not going to make the team. Max Stassi gets hurt, and uh, what do you know? Logan Ohapi's playing, and he looks really good so far, and I wound up drafting like no Logan Ohapi because I was worried that he wasn't going to play, so... This kind of sucks. He went two for four with his first career home run on Sunday. He's 36% rostered. Mike Zanino, an old favorite. He went three for three with a three-run homer on Sunday as well. 13% rostered. I think he's more of a two-catcher league target. Uh, Scott, who would you rather have between Mitch Garver and Logan O'Hoppy? O'Hoppy. If, if for no other reason, because I can hardly slot him at catcher. It's it's mm-hmm. hard to yeah. it's hard to slot a guy like a basically it's hard to roster an extra catcher, which is what you'd be doing with Garver since you can't actually get him in your lineup. And I, I like Garver. I've always liked Garver. I've but you like Garver times by liking Garver. You like Garver as a number two catcher. You know, yeah, well, he's a number two catcher when he gains catcher eligibility. He's a number two catcher who could perform yeah. like a number one catcher. There's big power potential yeah. there that we've seen more than once. It's just, he's always hurt. Hopefully this, part-time DH status will keep him healthy. But I'd put Garver about in the same category as Blake Sable in in terms of I really like the upside, but um, it's difficult to trust him as more than a number two at this point. And I'm doing what you mentioned earlier, Scott, where I have three catchers rostered on my main event team. Uh, It's a two-catcher league where I've got JT Realmuto, and then I took Shea Langoliers, knowing I'd have to wait a little bit for him to earn catcher eligibility, and so I have to start Luis Campusano for now. So it's not the most ideal thing to do, but hopefully Langoliers will be worth it once he gains that catcher eligibility. Let's take our second break here. Uh, and uh, when we return, uh, actually, no, let's let's go into news and notes. I'll hit some news and notes, then we'll get to another break a little bit later on. I started freaking out on Saturday when I saw that Lars Newbar was not in the Cardinals lineup. Like, Please don't do this this early in the season. Turns out he's playing with a, uh, a jam thumb. He's slid into third base on opening day. Mm-hmm. So he was out of the lineup again on Sunday. We'll have to see what happens uh, leading into this upcoming week with Lars Newbar. Kyle Wright will make a rehab start at AAA on Wednesday. If all goes well, he could be activated when first eligible sometime around, uh, I don't know, like second week of April, something like that for mm-hmm. Kyle Wright. Max Muncie left Saturday's game with a lower body injury and was not in Sunday's lineup. He is not expected to land on the IL. And as Chris mentioned earlier, Mookie Betts actually started at second base with Miguel Vargas on the bench on Sunday. Tony Gonsolin is scheduled to face hitters in a live batting practice on Wednesday. If all goes well, he could be back by late April, early May. That is Tony Gonsolin. Phillies manager Rob Thompson said Bryce Harper could resume hitting on the field as early as Thursday. Harper had Tommy John surgery in November, and the hope has been he could return sometime in June or July, closer to the second half of the season. Harrison Bader has been swinging in a pool. Is that a thing that people do? I I tried to like think of what that would look like, and I just like I don't even know how you would generate enough force for that to be useful at all. Like I've heard of like running in a pool. I've heard of like those treadmills, but like unless he's got like a weight or something, it just it feels like you wouldn't be able to move your arms fast enough. I guess but maybe he's much stronger than me. <laughs> I would think the professional athlete is stronger than me. I love how you said maybe he's maybe. stronger than you. Uh, maybe. I guess uh, look, I, I am no physics major, but if you're doing it in a 
pool with a bat. I guess it could help your oblique. I, I don't know. Jerkson Profar made his Rockies debut and was hitting leadoff on Sunday. I believe he went 0 for 3 in that game. Aaron yeah, Boone, walk. Aaron Boone said Anthony Volpe could hit leadoff at times during the season. DJ LeMahieu was out of the lineup Sunday, so Glaber Torres was the leadoff man. They're just, you know, planting that seed for later on if uh, if Volpe sticks around. Probably will be hitting leadoff at some point. Carlos Rodon could pitch uh, with hitters in a box for his next session. He remains likely to miss at least the first month of the season with that forearm injury. Luis Severino threw Friday and Saturday without issues. He's on the IL with a low-grade lat strain. Apparently, Sean Manaya could be used as a piggyback reliever behind Anthony DeScofani on Monday. Gabe Clap- Kapler hasn't specified whether the team will use a six-man rotation or not, so... They, they just they have too many mouths to feed, and so that, that's an option. Sean Manaya as a reliever for the team. Anthony Rendon received treatment on his left knee after Saturday's game. Here we go again. Uh, I wonder if he'll face some kind of suspension because there was a video of him grabbing an Oakland A's fan that, yeah. I don't know, called him some kind of profane name or whatever. I, I would I would say there's a very good chance that he, he, he also like tried to slap the guy. Right. So probably very good thing for Anthony Rendon that he missed. Uh, but True. yeah, I would guess there's a, a at least a three game suspension coming for that. I don't think Anthony Rendon listens to this podcast, so I think I'm probably safe to say this. But he he kind of seems like a grouch. Like I've heard things about him, yeah. you know, just snapping back say, at reporters when they ask him about injuries. Like, dude, you've been injured every year. That's their job. They're supposed I will to ask say, you that. So, fan was also in the wrong. Let's let's not do that. Let's sure. not say these things to baseball players. I agree or with any you, professional but... athletes. You guys are growing too comfortable with your with 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 this. We see this in every sport. The fans are are, are wild, and and y'all That's need true. to calm down. Do we know the fan did anything wrong? Yeah, we know what Rendon says the fan. Did. Uh, there was another the angle during. There's the another day. angle where you can see the fan like yelling down at the Angels players as they're talking, and there's a security guard next to him, kind of like grabs him and like. Like right when Rendon looks up, the security guard turns to him and then Rendon calls him. So I'm going to say he said something for sure. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure Anthony Rendon is still a grouch, but your point yes, is also was, that. It, yes. It was pretty. Uh, well, never mind. It was, I, I don't know. I, I would say Rendon was more in the wrong than the fan, but yes, I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't yet call players rude names. Madison Bumgarner was sent back to Arizona to be examined by team doctors after experiencing arm fatigue in Saturday's start. If he has to go on the IL, the team could put Dre Jameson in the rotation or they could call up top prospect Brandon Fott. So something to pay attention to there. I saw Dre Jameson was added in pretty much all of my deeper leagues here on Sunday night. So he looked okay in in his long relief appearance. I think he got the win. Um, Yes, he did. Five strikeouts and four innings. Yep. I think he had three walks, too, so yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely something he has to work on. Trevor Story is set to begin a throwing program in two weeks. He underwent internal brace surgery to repair his UCL and is expected to miss the first half of the season. Jake Cronenworth, Cronenworth and the Padres agreed to a seven-year, $80 million extension on Friday. And one prospect note, Brett Beatty's very first game in the minors this year, he hit two home runs with a stolen base. Eduardo yeah. Escobar looked awful this weekend. I watched a lot of Mets and Marlins games because frankly, I have a lot of those players on my main event team uh, and Escobar looked really, really bad. So he is officially on notice. Uh, I, if he struggles I, for like I think another, it's going to be quick. 
If it's another week or two, I, I think we could see Brett Beatty up in no time. Players who went to the IL this weekend, we mentioned Robbie Ray. Max Fried will need to go on the IL. The Braves haven't actually done that move yet. So don't yell at us or CBS because it's up to the Braves to, to put him on the IL, not us. Luis Arias with a hamstring strain, which could keep him out for up to eight weeks. Corey Dickerson with a left calf strain. My man Stone Garrett was recalled by the Nationals. And Joey Bart is dealing with a mid-back strain. Blake Sable started at catcher on Sunday? Either Saturday or Sunday, one of those days. And the Giants also signed Gary Sanchez to a minor league contract. No guarantees that he'll get to play, but uh, just... Worth mentioning, obviously. Let's take our second break, and we'll be back right after this. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Let's hit some other highlights from this weekend and some breakout hopefuls at starting pitcher. Jesus Lazardo had a very nice start on Friday against the Mets. Five and two-thirds shutout, two hits, four walks. The control got away from him later on in that start. Five strikeouts with 15 swinging strikes. Velocity was up across the board in that one. Dustin May looked great against the Diamondbacks. He went seven shutout with four strikeouts, only eight swinging strikes. Uh, the four seam and the sinker combined for 64% usage, so... Would like to see him use his uh, secondaries, the, cu- the curveball and the cutter, a little bit more to get some whiffs. On the surface, Nick Lodolo, he was just solid against the Pirates. Five innings, two runs, nine strikeouts, 22 swinging strikes on 109 pitches. And he basically ditched his sinker compared to last year. Um, and he was opting for more forcing fastballs and curveballs, which he already got a lot of whiffs last season. I, I think... Maybe there's upside for even more than we thought for, for Nick Lodolo if he's going with this approach. Scott, any thoughts here on Lazardo, Dustin May, and Nick Lodolo? Uh, not really. I mean, May never went seven innings when we saw him last year, so it was nice to see him do that right out of the gate. Didn't show a lot of bat-missing ability, and that's always been a questionable part of his profile. He's He's... Shown signs of being a strikeout pitcher in the past, but if you just look at his career numbers, more of a ground ball specialist, despite how hard he throws. So I think, uh, 
you know, obviously he's a big health risk, Dustin May, and the extent of his breakout is going to depend on how much, how, how, how capable of a bat misser he is. And early returns there suggest, eh, I don't know. All right, starting pitcher studs being studs. Brandon Woodruff went six innings of one-run ball with eight strikeouts at the Cubs this weekend. Spencer Strider picking up where he left off. He was at the Nationals. He went six shutout with nine strikeouts. Clayton Kershaw looked like vintage Clayton Kershaw. Six innings, one run, nine strikeouts to zero walks. Chris, any thoughts on Woodruff, Strider, and Kershaw? Well, those guys are really, really good. I, I don't really... the. I think... Um, Strider threw his changeup a bit more than we're used to seeing. If I'm remembering the box score correctly from this one, eh, he only threw it six times. He just got three whiffs with it. You might be thinking about Woodruff, who's right above him on the rundown. He, no, no, no. It, it was Strider. I just, okay. I, I think I saw that he got three whiffs with it, and I, I was like, oh, he must have thrown it a decent amount. You know, he just threw it six times. He just got three whiffs with it because he's awesome. <laughs> he's, he's really, really good. He's, yeah. Woodruff, I wanted to mention, he used the changeup more in this first start, 24% compared to 16% usage last year. That was a really, really good pitch for him. 193 batting average against with a 54% whiff rate. So uh, like like that increased changeup usage for Brandon Woodruff. Not quite studs, but they were very good this weekend. Logan Gilbert, six innings, one run, seven strikeouts. Kodai Senga, very shaky in his first inning, but then settled down nicely. Five and a third, one run, eight strikeouts to three walks. He had 10 swinging strikes, nine of those coming on that ghost fork ball. I know Yuli Gurriel is not the same hitter he used to be, <laughs> but Senga's first strikeout came on that fork ball, and Yuli Gurriel like sent his bat like yeah. into left field. It was it was crazy. It was it, it was I, as advertised. It was a very good pitch. We'll also point out, uh, I don't know if Logan Gilbert's calling it a ghost fork. It was just a splitter, but uh he debuted that pitch, I think, for the first time in front of the pitch cameras. And uh, four whiffs. He only threw it eight times. Four whiffs is a really good number for eight. Um, you know, we all liked Logan Gilbert, but didn't necessarily love, like, the breakout calls because it wasn't clear what where the breakout was going to come from. He's always been a very fastball-heavy pitcher, doesn't necessarily have an out pitch. But if the splitter can be an out pitch it makes him a lot more interesting. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on over the next few starts. Obviously, he also had four with his curveball uh, on 12 pitches. So pretty interesting stuff from Logan Gilbert. Similar to that, you know, four whiffs on eight tries with this pitch. Mm-hmm. Spencer Strider threw a slower changeup than last year and threw six of them, got three whiffs on it. I don't know. Maybe maybe Spencer Strider might have something else cooking too. Scott wasn't listening. Yep. Oh, you said that too? <laughs> oh, I wondered why you guys were smiling. Oh, no reason. Let's talk about Joe Ryan. He had a strong start at the Royals. He went six innings, one run, six strikeouts in that game, nine swinging strikes on 80 pitches. Scott, Joe Ryan is someone I know that you were interested in, and he threw his new splitter 25%. And the new sweeper, 20%. So uh, we know that he has a very deceptive fastball, much like a Christian Javier. He doesn't throw it as hard. But if he has a new splitter and sweeper that are you know, even decent secondary offerings, then yeah, maybe, maybe Joe Ryan breaks out this year. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, he threw his fastball less in this one and obviously had a good outcome. Part of me wonders, though, if 
if we really want him throwing his fastball less because it's such a good pitch and he's gotten so far just on the strength of that pitch alone that is is everything else just detracting from it like can he ever come up with something so good that it's better it's better to do that than just throw his fastball more i don't know but initial returns here are good and i think joe ryan can certainly fall back on that fastball if things aren't going well so overall i feel pretty good about having him where i do all right. What do we make of these pitchers? Chris, I'll give you the two good ones. And Scott, you'll get the three bad ones. I'm sorry. Okay. Jack Jack Flaherty threw five no-hit innings against the Blue Jays. It's a very good lineup he's going up against. The problem is that he also had a career-high seven walks in that game. So very, who was it? Edwin Jackson back in the day with all those walks in <laughs> yeah. the no-hitter. Uh, and he didn't even throw a no-hitter. It was just five no-hit innings. But um, yeah, so Jack Flaherty was, I guess, solid. His velocity was way down across the <laughs> yeah, board. Yeah, that's one of the good ones. I mean, geez. I, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's kind of mixed. We'll put him in the mixed category. Noah Syndergaard was actually great in his Dodgers debut against the Diamondbacks. He went six innings, one run, six strikeouts to zero walks, 13 swinging strikes on 78 pitches. And his slider velocity was up five miles per hour compared to last year. The sinker and the fastball, they were not up. He was still, you know, sitting 92, 93 like he was last year. But the slider velo being up is is kind of interesting for, for Noah Syndergaard. So, Chris, your thoughts on Thor and Jack Flaherty? I think you can cut Jack Flaherty. I, I think I saw just about all I needed to see. And I know that's, oh, he had five no-hit innings. How can you say that? Seven walks. I did he hit two batters? Am I am I remembering that correctly? Uh, I'll pull uh, it up. One, I'll pull it up for you. One hitter. So like a no hitter or no five no hit innings with a one point four whip. I thought his stuff looked bad. He generated a lot of weak contact, which I guess is a good thing. But I just I was not as impressed in, with Jack Flaherty when he was throwing ninety five, ninety six. So I I think he's. I think it's well, going to implode really quickly. Look, if you don't I, want to drop think, him, I think it's fine. But I, I, I did in one league. I don't think the seven walks is any reason to drop him because that just seems like a fluke thing. Like it's well, not like had, this is a guy known for having major control issues. His control was bad in, in spring as well. It was seven walks in nineteen innings, which is obviously significantly better. But he also had mm. four hit by pitches and I think a couple of wild pitches as well in the spring. I'll give him at least one more. Okay. So Syndergaard, I'm more impressed by than Flaherty, but not particularly impressed with this outing. Um, I don't want to write him off. I don't want to say it's not impressive, but I wasn't moved by it. I, I need to see more. Now, like three or four more starts where he's generating a bunch of uh, weak contact and you know getting a bunch of whiffs with the changeup and this you know this new slider, which... Might be more like a cutter at this point. He averaged 90 miles an hour with it. Um, yeah. Significant reductions in horizontal and vertical break, which is what you would expect from a harder pitch. You know, we'll, we'll see. He, he's definitely... I'm, I'm higher on him than Jack Flaherty, I would say. All right, well, let's get into the bad ones. Chris Sale was destroyed by the Orioles. He gave up seven earned runs, including three home runs, over just three innings pitched in his season debut. Chris Bassett also destroyed by the Cardinals. Three and a third innings, 10 hits, nine earned runs. He allowed 11 hard-hit balls in that one. His sinker was down nearly two miles per hour compared to last year. Josiah Gray, (laughs) eh, there were some reasons for optimism going into the season, but... 
Started off his first, the first two batters for that reason. <laughs> yeah, he led over ma- the fence. He led the majors in home runs allowed last year among pitchers. And then, yeah, he gives up home runs to the first two batters he faces. And then uh, Jared Schuster was great spring, and then he was terrible at the Nationals. You know, not not really a tough lineup, but four and two thirds, four runs allowed, five walks in that game too. So <laughs> not really a tough lineup. Kind of overselling the the quality <laughs> of the Washington Nationals lineup there, Frank. So, Scott, talk to me about Chris Sale and Chris Bassett. Like, how worried are you about these guys? And are you okay dropping Josiah Gray and Jared Schuster? Uh, to the second question, yes. Josiah Gray, remember, it wasn't, it wasn't just that he allowed no home runs this spring. It was he allowed no home runs this spring. And maybe this new cutter is the reason why. Well, the cutter was responsible for two of the three home runs he gave up in his season debut, and I think there, were, I think hitters hit 500 off it. Gave up, uh, I think, batted balls of 111 and 109 miles an hour with the uh, with the old cutter, and, and and like he hardly, I, I think his fastball, which was the problem in the past, I, I think it was his fourth most thrown pitch. So he did what mm-hmm. we wanted to see him do: more sliders, more curveballs, mixing in that cutter, and it was still, um. You know, I'm I'm not saying there will never come a point this year where maybe we're interested in no jo- Josiah Gray again, but there are better uses of a roster spot right now. Mm-hmm. Schuster, same thing. Of course, he was nervous, and all four runs came in the first inning. So credit to him for turning things around. But still, just one strikeout in four and two thirds innings against that lineup. So not a lot of reason for encouragement there. Salem Bassett. I, I I heard all your complaints about Sale this weekend. I'm highly invested in him as well. <laughs> uh, we should all be rooting for him to turn things around, and I think he will. As I uh, the way Alex Cora talked about the start afterward, he was just kind of all over the place. Um, you know, the it's not like he walked a bunch of guys, but just didn't seem to have great command of his stuff. But the stuff itself was good. Uh, he got a whiff on like half the swings uh, that the Orioles had against him. And velocity was fine, spin fine. Sales it was just the other swings. Fine. Yeah, it was the other swings. <laughs> um, I, look, I, I had multiple lineups with Chris Salingers, I agree, this week. So, uh, oof. Yeah. Yeah. My ERA is close to nine in the Memorial Magazine League right now. <laughs> I I have one league with both uh, Bassett and Miles Michaelis. So, oh, um, at that same league, actually. So, thank you, Chris, for actually having a worse pitching. <laughs> Any, lineup anytime, than I had. anytime, buddy. <laughs> Bassett is, uh, I'm a little torn on Bassett because the velocity is down for him one and a half to two miles per hour on everything. It was down even more in the spring, so it's been creeping up. He thinks he says he's they're going to go over everything. They're going to look at release heights. They're going to look at if he was tipping his pitches. His pitch mix was basically the same. It, it doesn't sound like the Blue Jays themselves are are that focused on the velocity. They think it's something else that was going on with Chris Bassett. And Bassett doesn't seem like the. I mean, look, velocity helps everybody. But he doesn't seem like the kind of pitcher who needs premium velocity to have success. He's more of a control, wide variety of pitches kind of guy. So I would be pretty patient with him. I mean, just by track record, I'd be pretty patient with him. 
All right, a few hitting leftovers worth mentioning. Kyle Tucker had a sock and a shoe on Friday. He had two more hits on Saturday, a big weekend for him. Brendan Donovan went one for four with another home run on Sunday. He's up to 90% rostered, so the people are listening, Scott. They are rostering <laughs> Brendan Donovan. Matt Olson had a double dong on Saturday. John Carlos Stanton back-to-back days with a home run. Three batted balls over 111 miles per hour on Saturday, and then he hit a home run Sunday. That was 485 feet. (laughs) He's awesome. It's crazy stuff. Jonathan India had a sock and a shoe on Saturday. I also love this new Viking hat celebration, and they throw like a Viking cape on you (laughs) when you hit a home run for the Cincinnati Reds. The the Angels have their home run sombrero, which I I like. That, That one got a lot of use today, so that was fun. Nice. I love it. Great opening weekend for Wander Franco, who we were worried about with the quad injury. He had seven hits, a home run, and a steal. And Luis Arise, just picking up where he left off, nine hits through his first four games with the Miami Marlins. A few bullpen updates worth mentioning on Friday for the Marlins. Dylan Floro pitched in the eighth inning with a one-run lead. A.J. Puck got the ninth. They were winning by two runs at that point. He gave up a solo home run, but converted the save. So the first one goes to A.J. Puck. For the Astros on Friday, no Ryan Presley, but Rafael Montero picked up his first save. On Saturday, again, no Ryan Presley. Hector Neris recorded the final four outs. He gave up a run, but picked up the save. Dusty Baker said Ryan Presley was unavailable due to illness. But just remember, on opening day, I mentioned Presley was like shaking his arm a lot, and the ESPN broadcast was talking about it. I don't know. Seems a little fishy. For the Rockies on Friday, Brad Hand pitched in the eighth inning with a four-run lead. He gave up a run. It was Pierce Johnson who gave up a hit and struck out two for the Rockies' first save of the season. He is only 12% rostered, widely available. For the Diamondbacks on Friday, Scott McGuff entered in the eighth inning with two outs and a one-run lead. He walked one but got out of it. He started the ninth inning. He walked to Mookie Betts and then was relieved by Andrew Chafin, who then converted the save. And then on Sunday, it was basically the opposite, where Chafin came in in the eighth, and then Scott McGuff recorded the final two outs to pick up the save. So it looks like those two are the leading candidates. Maybe it'll be, you know, dependent on who's up in the ninth inning, but it seems like McGuff and uh, Andrew Chafin for now for the D-backs. For the Cardinals, Ryan Helsley entered in the eighth inning with a two-run lead on Saturday. He recorded the final five outs for his first save. Worth noting there, Giovanni Gallegos has not been available, I think, yep. at all so far with a back injury. Not sure if he would have figured in, but just worth noting. For sure. For the Phillies on Saturday, both Sir Anthony Dominguez and Craig Kimbrell pitched in mop-up duty, and both were awful. So <laughs> I don't really know who's going to get the first save chance there. For they only the, show up when it matters. For the Giants on Saturday, I was uh, at the game, of course. And so I had Camilo Duvall as a bus. And I'm like, here we go. His first opportunity might blow it. Uh, he wound up getting out of it, but it was very shaky. He had a three-run lead. He gave up two hits, two walks, and a run scored. Got a double play to uh, end that game there. Mentioned earlier, Felix Bautista gave up a two-run walk-off home run. Just kind of fluky situation where Austin Hayes dropped a routine fly ball, the the batter before. So quite unfortunate for Felix Bautista for the uh, Royals on Saturday. They were down two zero. Aroldis Chapman pitched in the ninth inning. He struck out the side and his fastball velo was up two miles per hour. He looked really good. So yep. something we'll have to watch with the Royals for the twins on Saturday. They had a two run lead. Griffin Jacks was used in the seventh inning. Caleb Thielbar in the eighth. Jorge Lopez pitched a clean ninth inning for his first save. Apparently, uh, Yoan Duran was unavailable because he 
quote, slept funny the night before. Okay. For the Mets on Saturday, Adam Adovino pitched in the eighth with a three-run lead, and then David Robertson pitched in the ninth with a four-run lead. Uh, Alexis Diaz picked up his first save. Kyle Finnegan picked up his first. For the White Sox on Sunday, Kendall Graveman pitched the eighth with a three-run lead, struck out two. Ronaldo Lopez entered in the ninth with a five-run lead, and he then uh, gave up two runs. So hasn't been the best start for Ronaldo Lopez. Although Graveman had a rough outing on Friday, I believe it was. Yeah, so, either Friday or Saturday, yeah. One of those. I will say, Lopez's stuff looks great. And he's averaging like 100 miles an hour with his fastball right now. It's just, he gave up a ton of hard contact in both outings. So, yeah, still, still some Reynaldo Lopez in there. Uh, Padres... Josh Hader picked up his first save on Sunday. Emmanuel Class A was unavailable on Sunday. So Trevor Steffen picked up the save in extra innings for the Guardians. And then on Sunday Night Baseball, one run lead. We think, all right, here we go. Jose LeClerc getting a save, right? Wrong. Will Smith came mm-hmm. in to close out the game, picked up his first save. And I just kind of floated this out there during spring that he has a history with Bruce Bochy. And here we go. First save opportunity, and LeClerc hadn't pitched since opening day on Thursday, so I would have thought he's available, and I I thought it was pretty weird that this happened, but it, it still happened. Yeah, I was wondering what part of the lineup was up in the ninth. It was Edmundo Sosa, Bryson Stott, and then Derek Hall, pinch hit for Christian Pache, right? I don't know why they brought in the lefty to face the lefty. Hmm. Maybe they didn't have well, much else. It's because it was Christian Pache who was up <laughs> yeah. originally. Probably, there you yeah. Go. Um, so, so yeah, it's not like he was facing Schwarber or anything. I don't know. That's that's interesting. It is mm-hmm. very interesting. Uh, so the six names that really stood out to me as being available if you need saves, AJ Puck, uh, Pierce Johnson, Scott McGuff, Ronaldo Lopez, Will Smith, and Danny Jimenez. Give me your top three favorites there. Puck, Pierce Johnson, McGuff, Ronaldo Lopez, Will Smith, Danny Jimenez. Uh, McGuff, Puck, Pierce Johnson. Sure. All right. Well, let's wrap up with to stream or not to stream for Monday. Taiwan Walker at the Yankees. Nope. 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 Anthony Descofani at the Nationals. Probably not. Mm, he looked pretty good this spring. It's a bad lineup, but I'd lean no. Michael Kopech versus the Giants. Mm, I just I don't have much faith in Kopech anymore. I don't mind like picking him up in like the same way we I I drafted Jack Flaherty in a few leagues and you know see if he figures something out, but I'm not optimistic. No, Drew Smiley at the Reds. Nah, Tyler Malley at the Marlins. Yeah, thing is he got pounded this spring. So I, I mean I, I I know we've seen certain players. Okay, the switch is on now, and everything we saw in the spring. It clearly doesn't matter anymore because they've been completely the opposite of that. But I'm, I'm going to remain skeptical with Mally for now. Johnny Cueto versus the Twins. Nah. Cutter Crawford versus the Pirates. Mm, nah. nah. <laughs> Kyle Bradish at the Rangers. Nah. I think that's the one I'm most likely to do, even though the Rangers have a pretty good lineup. I hey. think Bradish is... I, I think Bradish is the best pitcher we've mentioned so far. Yeah, I, the Rangers, they're pretty hot here opening weekend against uh, the Phillies, so I'd probably take a wait and see with uh, Kyle Bradish there. Matthew Boyd at the Astros. No. 
Not against that lineup, but no. if he gets a bunch of strikeouts against them, stock is going to jump up. Zach Plesek at the A's. No. No. Ryan Nelson at the Padres. Nope. Nah. He's somewhat interesting, but not against that lineup. Michael Grove versus the Rockies in L.A. No. All right. On Tuesday, Domingo Herman versus the Phillies. Nah. Hayden, no, his stuff was way worse last season. I, I, I don't think so. Hayden Wisniewski at the Reds. Yes. I think that's the one I feel best about so far between Monday and Tuesday. Yes. Let's feed the cats. Kenta Maeda at the Marlins. Uh, I, I want to watch it, but probably not going to start him. No. Too many walks this spring. Okay. Nick Pavetta versus the Pirates. Nope. No, but maybe. Ron Z. Contreras at the Red Sox. Nah. No, but I want to watch him. Yusei Kikuchi at the Royals. I'm really trying to get a bunch of extra strikeouts. He's second behind Wesneski among this group. I agree. Dylan Dodd at the Cardinals. I mean, not after the way Schuster's debut went. <laughs> no. And it's the Cardinals. Steven yeah. Matz versus the Braves. No. Andrew Heaney versus the Orioles. Probably not. No, it's at L.A. Uh, You mean Texas? Sorry. (laughs) I might. Okay. Jose Suarez at the Mariners. No. Mm, All right. We're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thanks as always for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.